Chicago Moorhead. Uh, welcome to the Rob Port, uh, Rob Port Show, the Rob Report, uh, whatever he's calling it nowadays. Uh, Rob's off on vacation this week. My name is Thomas Beadle, uh, state representative in District 27 in South Fargo. I'm filling in for Rob today. Well, he takes some much-needed time off. Uh, a little bit about me. I'm a Republican down, elected down in South Fargo. I serve alongside Senator John Casper and Representative Randy Baining down in South Fargo. Um, elected in 2010, served on, on a couple of committees in the, in the legislature, higher education funding, uh, taxation, uh, all, the, all the fun ones. Um, also commercial real estate broker. So this is my second opportunity filling in for Rob. I did this about uh, two months ago. And then when Rob uh, decided he was going to take a little bit of vacation time over the, the holiday week, which uh, absolutely good for him, he needs to do that and he needs to spend time with family, uh, then I'm sure like, sure. Yeah, I can absolutely do that. I'll, I'll be happy to fill in for a day. And then he decided to extend his show so it was two hours long instead of one hour long. And and now i got to figure out how to fill that second hour. We'll, we'll make that work. And then he decided, hey, I need you to do two days instead of one. So now I'm, I'm going to be here on Friday as well. But that's okay. Uh, Kemp Music did a good job for for him yesterday. Um, hopefully I'll be, we'll be able to, to keep the things uh, flowing well today. Uh, then Connor Swanson, a uh, local guy, is going to be filling in tomorrow. He's, he's a good guy. He's worked on a couple of campaigns for some legislative races. Uh, always fun to, inter- to talk to Connor. I enjoy grabbing a beer with him and, and just kind of chatting and seeing what's going on uh, in the political world. Uh, he's always good on political gossip. And then I'll be back Friday as well uh, to wrap up the week before uh, Rob should be back next week. He'll be back to your regularly scheduled program, so you won't have to worry about uh, dealing with the knuckleheads that he drags in to fill in for him. And I think his real plan is just to make sure that whoever he brings in as a temp isn't better than him. That way they keep him gainfully employed here. But, you know, we'll, we'll try to try to deal with that. Um, but anyways, I'd like to thank Rob for giving me the opportunity to come on, uh, talk with, uh, with his audience a little bit, talk with people Fargo-Moorhead a little bit. It's always enjoyable to do that. If you want to get involved in the discussion today, uh, we're at 293-9000 or 888-970-9329. That's how you can call in. Feel free to send us an email, talk at WDAY.com, or if you just want to check in on the website, WDAY.com, go on there. You can listen live uh, if you're at the office or, or just need to track us on that way. You're certainly welcome to do that. We've got a pretty good show coming up today. Uh, first off, at 1230, we're going to be talking with a fellow from the North Dakota uh, Department of Human Services. He is the interim director for medical marijuana. Uh, I've got a couple of questions for him. They just finished up the uh, just finished up the public hearings on medical marijuana, going around the state, uh, figuring out how to craft that policy so that they can implement it properly. So we're going to have Jason Wall on to talk about that. Uh, I was just down at a conference down in uh, in Nevada going uh, through, and, and they just legalized recreational marijuana as of, I believe, July 1st this year. So so there's going to be some interesting stuff that we need to talk about there because I really think recreational is down the line, but we need to make sure our medical stuff is implemented, you know, fine and dandy, and, and we've got that on a good footing first. Otherwise, uh, we're going to have a real, real uh, a storm on our hands when we get towards uh, recreational, especially if this ballot measure starts to get any traction. And then the 1 o'clock hour, I'm going to – Shift gears a little bit then, and I'm going to bring in a couple of uh, students from NDSU to talk. we got uh, Chase Grinberg, former president of North Dakota State University's College Republicans, and currently the state chair of the North Dakota College Republicans. 
And then we're going to bring in his Democratic counterpart, William Fleck, who was just elected uh, president of the uh, Young Democrats of North Dakota and serves as the chair for the, the uh, NDSU Democrats. Uh, they're going to come in. We're going to have a couple of different conversations. We're going to talk about the value of good public discourse, even if you disagree politically, how you can have a good legitimate debate in order to, to come up with good policy or at least have good discussions as opposed to I'm right, you're an idiot. We can have I'm right, you're wrong, let's discuss and figure this out. So we'll talk with them a little bit, see their take on that, uh, as well as see how young and young next generation folks are able to get involved, uh, what motivated them to get involved, and and really see how the next generation of, of political uh, influencers are are coming into their own and, and how they, they're able to start you know, crafting their their ideals and, and really develop that, um, especially as the baby boomers are starting to edge towards retirement, as we start to see that big, huge voting block uh, start to to get out of the workforce, start to get out of the political scene, start to, to frankly die off. Um, we need to see what what's going to be coming up next. What what is the next generation looking like? What is the new crop? Uh, going to be? Is it, is it going to be a good sturdy crop or, or are we going to have some issues there? Um, so it's going to be a, a fun conversation with them. I encourage anyone to to feel free to give, you know, call in, uh, provide any questions that you have for them, uh, email or call in again, 293-9000 or talk at WDAY.com. Uh, certainly uh, to talk with Jason about medical marijuana in North Dakota or to talk with uh, either Chase or William uh, and, and, and tee up that next generation North Dakotans. So with that, you know, we're, I'm, I'm seeing on the, the scroll on the TV coming across right now, they're talking about uh, the infrastructure plan that, that the president's pushing forth. Uh, I'd like to hear some, some people's thoughts on this. So obviously infrastructure is a huge critical need in North Dakota. It's a huge critical need across the United States. This is an area that should have some bipartisan support. We thought tax reform could have bipartisan support. We had we had Senator Heitkamp standing on a, at a refinery in Mandan um, alongside the president saying that she was going to be, you know, possibly influenced on tax reform and able to come into the fold. Um, that didn't happen. She had some disagreements on the bill. There, there were some issues with how the process of the bill took place. Uh, the ultimate results of the bill look positive at this point. Uh, but obviously the devil's in the details, and we'll see uh, you know, the, the expiration date and everything um, for the personal tax cuts is still rubbing some people the wrong way when you have the permanency on the corporate side and the, the temporary nature on the personal side. Um, so, I mean, I, I, she has some cover there, but we thought tax reform was an area that could be bipartisan. That was something that we, we really thought on. But now infrastructure, this is something that really, really should have uh, support from across the aisle. Um, but if not, I still think they're going to be able to get it done. But the question is, with the with current budget situation and Paul Ryan saying that we're going to have to address entitlement reform, Medicare, Medicaid, et cetera, in the next uh, next congressional year in order to help with the budget balancing, how are they going to to you know fund those priorities um, or streamline those priorities? Because we all know there's inefficiencies and waste there. Uh, but we also know that they're necessary uh, programs for many individuals, and we would have a lot of people that, are, that would be on the streets without it. But when it comes to infrastructure, that that's, can get to be pretty sizable. 
uh, bills that are coming out there. I mean, in, in the U.S., it's estimated there's trillions of dollars worth of deferred maintenance on our roads and bridges. North Dakota alone, we've got a couple hundred million dollars uh, worth of, uh, if not a couple billion dollars, worth of road work that needs to be done on our roads and bridges and, and all internet superhighway and, from, you know, the, getting the fiber optic data lines um, spread out across the state. Uh, Governor Dalrymple, when, when he was leading through the oil boom, invested uh, uh, or led the charge in the legislature um, or presented in his budget to the legislature as, as a member of the legislature. I have to make sure that we have some institutional integrity here. We, we are the, the budgetary arm of government. We, we control all that, but you know, it was certainly included in his budget to put over a billion dollars into uh, highway infrastructure projects in North Dakota. We, we invested in farm-to-market roads. We invested in, in rebuilding some of our, our interstates and some of our downtown uh, uh, cores and some of our you know, roadways across the, the state, especially in the western part where it was really getting influenced. But that money is, is, goes really quick. I mean, when you're dealing with you know, a million bucks a mile to lay concrete uh, just for the raw materials alone, not count, counting labor, these projects add up a lot. But infrastructure is uh, is crucial. I mean, if we looking at uh, Eisenhower in the fifties and and leading the charge there, that really helped jumpstart our economy after World War II, and we had these millions of people coming back uh, from fighting in the war and needed somewhere to go. And then those construction projects really helped jumpstart the economy, and then it helped connect business together. It helped allow for commerce to flow, and so this is crucial. So I, I think this the we, we don't see any details yet, but I think this has some legs on it. I think we can get some bipartisan support on this, and we can start to see some growth. But I'll be interested to see some of the details. So I'd be interested to hear any of your thoughts uh, on infrastructure. Do you think that he's going to have any, any success in this? Uh, if, do you think that, uh, you know, Heidi made the right decision on tax reform? Let's, let's have the conversation. 293-9000. Again, Thomas Beadle sitting in for Rob Port. We'll be back after the break. Color TV screen. Welcome back to the Rob Report. Thomas Beadle sitting in here for Rob Port. Some good news for me during the break. I just got an email. Uh, I just got my tickets to the Bison game down in Frisco. So I'm I'm all set for that. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Well, that's exciting. I know. I'm pretty, pretty pumped about that. Uh, I've kind of put out a couple of different feelers. I missed out on the original buy-in. I usually try to buy them in August, and they all sold out right away. Uh, so I put out a couple of feelers for that and uh, was fortunate enough that I, that I just got an email from somebody who said, hey, we can't use our tickets. Would you like to buy them for face value? And I'm like, well, yeah, sure, I'll, t- I'll take those. Uh, resale right now online is $250 plus per ticket, so about three times face value. So absolutely I'll jump on that. So I'm fortunate for the, to, to, to really look out that way. Now we just have to figure out how to get down to Texas. But that uh, that, sh- that should come. For those of you that are still interested in getting tickets, the standing room only tickets are coming on sale uh, for the NCAA championship game on January 6th. You can go to NCAA.com slash tickets slash football slash FCS. Find out more about that. I know Mike McFeely had an had a article on that that ran in the forum on 
Christmas Eve, but who's really looking at the, the news on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day? So Everyone. Everyone should be looking at the news on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. No, you got to watch the Santa Tracker Christmas Eve and Chris, uh, Christmas Eve instead. You don't, you don't watch the news. Foreign Communications Company pays my bills, sir. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they don't, I'm, I'm here on a volunteer basis. They're not paying me at all. So, so Look at the news. Look at the news every single day. That, Buy a subscription to the paper. Listen to, my, listen to the radio station. Watch the TV shows. We love it. That's true. And I guess they, they do absolutely love it. So so I, I take that back. Everyone should be watching the news, especially WDAY 970. Uh, everyone should be listening in, should be watching the news at all hours of the day, uh, 24-7. Never sleep. Perfect. Absolutely never sleep. Perfect. This is the this is basically going to take over for Fox News. It's going to be WDAY. They're, they're going to stop airing Jimmy Kimmel at night on TV and some other stuff. It's just going to be all news all the time. But... Uh, yeah. So I, if you didn't check out McFeely's article, you can find that on the forum.com, inform.com uh, to go and, and find that out and, and see how to get some standing room only tickets. Otherwise, you can check out the NCAA ticket exchange. He's got a link up in his blog about that. Uh, we also need to plug um, or I'm going to going to want to plug. Uh, so a friend of mine, he's become a friend of mine. I've interviewed him when I've guest hosted on a couple other programs in the market. Uh, Teron Davenport, who's a beat writer for the Eagles Wire, uh, USA Today publication, theeagleswire.com. He came out with a new book about North Dakota's uh, new favorite son, uh, former Bison Carson Wentz. It's called Carson Wentz Soaring to the Top uh, and Soaring with the Eagles. It's uh, uh, from Triumph Books. It's available at Barnes & Noble. I was there last night and saw it sitting uh, right when you walk in the Barnes & Noble in Fargo. If you look to your right, it's going to be sitting right there on the table. Uh, it's a really good book uh, chronicling kind of his rise through college, through the draft process, and then how uh, Coach Doug Peterson and uh, the offensive coordinator Frank Reich and, and how they've they've kind of handled uh, the maturity of Carson Wentz and, and turned him into uh, an MVP candidate. And even after he tore his ACL, I, I saw a fun statistic yesterday of touchdown passes thrown since Carson tore his ACL. Carson Wentz one, Dak Prescott zero. So when you have the you know stats like that, that that shows that Carson even a couple of games after uh, he's torn his ACL, still in the MVP race, still in strong consideration. Bison Nation is very proud of him. Uh, North Dakota is very proud of him. He's still leading the NFL in touchdown passes thrown this year with 33. Uh, but Teron's book, uh, Carson went soaring with the Eagles, available at Barnes and Noble, available. Uh, online and all sorts of places where books are sold. But check check that out. Check it out on the EaglesWire.com um, and, and check out uh, Bison as they make their way down to Frisco and deal with James Madison, kind of a, a vengeance, uh, re, you know, revenge game for us after losing to them in the semifinals. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. My, my throat was so sore after that semifinal game last year. I swear. I mean, I, I've started carrying cough drops with me when I go to games because by the second half I'm, I'm getting a little hoarse and, and I ran out of cough drops and, and ran out of a voice by the end of the fourth quarter, and and you know maybe I, maybe I let our team down last year. Maybe that was it. Uh, they they needed my voice in the fourth quarter, um, and I and I just wasn't there for them. So I'm going to make sure in the championship game I am there. And for anyone going down to Frisco, make sure you have uh, plenty plenty of cough drops available as well, so we can you know get loud and stay loud through the whole game. But uh, check that out. I, you know that's that's one of the nicest emails that I can get today. I'm looking outside right now, and it's negative 8 degrees here in Fargo. It's supposed to get down to negative 16 as the high on Saturday. And so I just want to throw out a reminder before we move on to the rest of our programming here that 
you know, this this weather is is ri- ridiculously cold. It reminds us uh, why you know what makes us North Dakota tough, and uh, that we have hardy stock here. But we need to you know take a reminder, cover up, make sure that uh, kids are well bundled up. This isn't a safe time for them to be playing outside in the snow as much as they like it. So make sure they're bundled up in as many layers as possible. And what I noticed last night when I let my dog out, uh, his paws, he was, he was getting really ginger as he was walking around outside really quickly. Uh, so please make sure that the, the furry friends of yours are, are taken care of. Uh, I, I put a, uh, a, one of our rugs out just so he could walk out to, to, to do his business last night because he, he just was in pain from walking. Um, so just make sure that you take care of those furry friends and, and take care of them because it's only going to get colder and we're just at the start of winter. So uh, we need to, to you know make sure that we watch out for them because we value them. Coming up later on in the show, keep in mind, 293-9000 or uh, talk at WDAY.com or watch us uh, at WDAY.com. You can come on and do the Listen Live link there. Uh, Coming up later on, 1230, we're going to be talking with uh, Jason Wall from North Dakota uh, Department of Health. He's the interim director for for Division of Medical Marijuana. If you've got any questions about the implementation of that, how the – how that whole process is coming along. Um, a lot of people are upset about it. It's been taking a little longer than they anticipated. So so please feel free to, to reach out and, and ask him any questions that you might have. Um, also coming up at the 1 o'clock hour, we're going to have Chase Grinberg and William Fleck coming in, uh, two students from North Dakota State University from opposite political ideologies. Uh, talk about you know young people growing up in politics and and how they are getting involved, how they're, you know, able to communicate their differences across the divide, uh, and really, you know, just kind of making sure that we can, you know, continue the a positive discourse going on through the next generation so you can have good public policy. And, and frankly, that's, that is a problem that everyone needs to be paying attention to. I, whether it's through social media algorithms, whether it's through what, what, you know, news channels you watch, there's such a bifurcation of news media coverage out there, such a, a, a glut of you know, facts, where, where you're getting your facts from, and they're all changed. I mean, if you're a liberal, you're watching MSNBC, you're listening to Pod Save America. If you're a Republican, you got Fox News, you got Wall Street Journal. I mean, there is, you're all over the map in terms of where you're getting your coverage from. So we need to make sure that we, we address that, and I'm interested to see what some of these young kids have to say uh, and how they're addressing that. So... We'll be back. We'll have more on the Rob Report coming up uh, after the break. Uh, stick around. Welcome back to the Rob Report. Thomas Beadle sitting in for Rob on this frigid day. Uh, we're about to be joined by Jason Wall, the interim director for medical marijuana for the North Dakota Department of Health. Uh, this is, you know, a fascinating topic. It, it has a long history. Uh, you know, for those that have been following the situation, you know, we've we've medical marijuana has been in the news nationally. A number of different states have been passing this and, and have been implementing different programs. Uh, some have gone so far as recreational. North Dakota, we, we don't always like to be the first ahead of the curve, so so we tend to follow behind a little bit, as is the case with medical. And so we had uh, we passed it as a ballot measure um, just this past November, uh, November of 16. And 
then the legislature recognized there were some issues with the laws. It was passed, reference departments we didn't have in North Dakota. We had to tweak it, clean up some language that way. Uh, some voters aren't too happy about it. But now the, the agencies are, are handling this and, and doing handling the implementation as best as they can. And so for an update to see how this has been going, we're, we're happy to be joined now by Jason Wall. Mr. Wall, uh, appreciate you joining us this afternoon. Good afternoon, Mr. Beadle. How are you today? I am doing well. I'm doing well. Um, so the Department of Health, you guys just uh, wrapped up here about a, a week ago. Uh, your various roundtables and, and discussions and forums with citizens across the state, uh, going through the rules process and, and kind of getting some of that feedback. Uh, so what did you find out from talking with the citizens? Uh, the department did hold six public hearings the week of December 11th, and the public hearings went well. Um, I'd like to thank everyone who took the time to attend the hearings, and also I'd like to thank those who submitted comments either at the hearings or submitted comments to us in writing. Uh, there were a number of concerns, I would say, voiced by individuals at the public hearings in regards to the proposed rules. Uh, individuals also voiced concerns just in general in regards to the program and implementing the program, the pace at which the program is being implemented. Uh, they did voice concerns also about changes that were made by the legislature uh, with, the initi with the initiated measure and brought to forth uh, various information and concerns in regards to requirements in state law. So overall, it was a good process for the department to go through to obtain comments on proposed rules for the program. Uh, those proposed rules uh, were drafted by the department and filed with the state's legislative council on November 3rd. And we are working right now on compiling both the oral comments and written comments as the comment period closed yesterday. And we will fully consider all comments received. Well, absolutely. And, and I know the, uh, yeah, the, the comment period, written comments were due by December 26. For those that do want to check out the proposed administrative rules, you can go to ndhealth.gov slash mm for medical marijuana. Um, and they've got the, the, the link on there with all the proposed rules as well as uh, user guides to the proposed uh, compliance testing and the, and the notices for the past uh, hearings dates and status updates and everything on there. So I appreciate all the all the you know due diligence and work the agency's been doing. And and frankly, it's not shocking that the legislature uh, touched something that the citizens did, and now citizens have some pushback to it. Uh, I, I think we all expected a little bit of that uh, this last legislative session when this took place. But uh, what are you finding out in terms of the timeline for implementation? I know when the original ballot measure passed by the citizens, they had in their language saying that they wanted everything fully implemented. I believe 30 days was the time that they had given, um, which was just ridiculous. And we knew that that wasn't going to be possible. Um, when the attorney general at the time said that a lot of other states, uh, when they've passed it, have taken about 15 months uh, from you know the, the directive being passed to when it's been fully up and running for the citizens. Um, what are we finding? What, how long do we think this is going to take us uh, to get through the administrative rules process and get it all set up and, and ready to go? Uh, with the changes that were made by the 2017 legislature, that law became effective in April. Um, and since that time, a lot of work was done on drafting those proposed rules. They are quite extensive um, in regards to in helping the department implement a program that will be well-regulated 
and help in ensuring uh, that the public's health and safety is um, kept in mind as well as helping protect the safety of qualifying patients. As we move forward, if as far as the administrative rule process goes, that's the first step now that the department needs to accomplish. Uh, we need to file uh, the necessary information by February 1st with Legislative Council in order to be on a March meeting of the Legislative Administrative Rules Committee. If that Legislative Committee were to approve the proposed rules, they would have an effective date of April 1, and that would allow the department then to move forward with having an open application period for manufacturing facilities. Those would be the entities who will grow and process and produce the usable marijuana within the program. While there's a number of factors that come into play in regards to when usable marijuana will be available for qualifying patients, right now we're looking at um, October, November, December time period, uh, so late next calendar year. So right in time for the, the ballot measure for recreational marijuana to be uh, potentially voted on. So, so hopefully we can, we can beat that to the punch because one thing that I know a lot of legislators are concerned with is if we don't get the, the medical fully implemented, which I know, you know you're doing your due diligence and the safety of the citizens is, is of the utmost importance. Um, I know there's concern that if we don't have medical in place, it's going to make it that much easier for some people to vote for recreational right off the bat, which, you know, is either a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, that's, that's a, a totally different discussion, but I'm sure that'll be a weight, weighted factor in there. So last, uh, about two, two and a half weeks ago, um, I was at a conference for Council of State Governments. Um, it's a, an organization, all 50 states, Canadian provinces, et cetera, all three branches of government. But they had a, a, a day there um, where one of the panels was dedicated towards looking at marijuana policy and, and how we um, states are growing and implementing and, and you know, coming up and with good policy and learning from best practices. Obviously, Colorado had some hiccups when, they, when their law first uh, was implemented, California as well. Um, and, and Nevada started off with recreational, and then I believe July 1 they started with – or it started off with medical, and this, July 1 they went to recreational as well. And one of the things that they found, so we, we went on some tours as a part of this. I went into a 48,000-square-foot manufacturing facility, which, boy, that was a smelly facility. You, I don't know anyone who thinks that they can get away with hiding smoking pot um, doesn't realize how much that smell just kind of sticks with you. Um, but when you, when you walk into this facility and you see all of the infrastructure that's involved, the, the capital that's spent in, in order to do this right, and then when you go to the laboratory testing facilities where they have a million dollars worth of equipment to go in there to ensure that all of the chemicals are, are just right and you don't have pesticides in there um, that will ex exponentially increase and concentrate and, and do significant harm to people. How do we make sure that we have you know, the proper vetting, the proper testing, and the proper lab systems in place? Uh, do we have sufficient language in, the, in this law to do it, or, or are we going to have to make some further adjustments? I think that's a good question, Mr. Beadle, in regards to, you know, what's necessary to get the program implemented, meet the legislative intent, have a well-regulated program, and keeping in mind what is best for qualifying patients within the program. Uh, you know, the legislature set forth the law that the department is attempting to implement, Part of the law requirements did uh, require the department to establish rules. 
So the proposed rules not only look at information that was required by the legislature and law, but also other areas that the department believed rules would be necessary to help in having a well-regulated program. There are substantial testing requirements. Uh, there is a number of tests that are performed as usable marijuana goes through the processing stages to help to look for you know, contaminants and mycotoxins and looking at what the THC concentration is and to help ensure that pesticides are not or were not used in the growing process as well. So right now what changes may be necessary going into the 2019 legislature is really to be determined in something that the department is, you know, considering and looking at, and obviously it's a legislative decision in regards to what changes in law will be made. Well, and, and for those that are unfamiliar with the North Dakota legislative process, by con- constitutionally we're limited to 80 days every other year um, to, to meet as a legislature. So, you know, we are kind of hamstrung, so you're right. It is, we are going to have to to, to make some more tweaks. Jason, I'm going to ask it. Can you stick around through the, the break? It'll be real quick. And then I got a couple more questions for you. I sure can. Perfect. We'll be back here in a couple of minutes on the Rob report. Uh, I'm Thomas Beadle sitting in for Rob. Uh, stay tuned. Welcome back to the Rob report. Thomas Beadle sitting in for Rob Port today. We are back with Jason Wall, the interim director for the North Dakota Department of Health, who's, who's been going through a, a crazy Department of Health medical marijuana uh, grouping. Um, he's been going through a crazy ordeal trying to handle administrative rules and everything for implementing our me- uh, medical marijuana policy. And it's, it's really a Herculean task that he's, he's handling here. So, so Jason, just you know, starting back up, I've got I to thank you for all the work you've been putting in on this. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Um, You're very welcome. So, you know, we, we talked a little bit about how, just right before the break, about how, you know, due to the North Dakota legislative process, the fact that we meet 80 days every other year maximum by Constitution really hamstrings us. So that's why, you know, when the legislature, we try to not micromanage too much. We try to leave it up to administrative rules when possible. Um, we might have micromanaged a little bit on uh, this bill, but we're, we're hopefully giving you the flexibility to, to do what you need to do to make sure we're good. Um, but, you know, it's, if we if we have stuff that we have to tweak, it's going to be 2019. That's that's the next t- uh, chance we have to deal with this. But uh, as we're as we're going through and, and as you're, you're finding, you know, it's to be determined on what all we need to tweak. Um, but the real area that I, I want to look at is, is on this, you know, laboratory testing and everything. So when I was when I was touring in Nevada uh, and I was taking a look at some of the facilities, which they're a little more of a mature state down the line. I mean, they actually have uh, production and distribution in place already. Um, one of the things that was heavily emphasized by uh, both the, the Nevada representatives as well as the Colorado representatives that were there is that their biggest piece from a, a safety perspective and implementation method is the third party uh, independent laboratory testing. Uh, some, somebody who has no involvement in the uh, production side, no involvement in the distribution or retail side, um, but are, are separately aware. Now, now I know we have some administrative rules regarding laboratory uh, testing. Are we going to have uh, uh, adequate you know, independence within these, these groups to make sure that we have uh, a good, clean product out there? 
Uh, yes, we believe so. The proposed rules identify how the lab that will conduct the compliance testing are to be selected, and that's through the state's procurement process. So there will be a request for proposal issued by the state um, for potential entities to submit proposals that will be evaluated, and a vendor or vendors will be selected uh, to conduct the testing as required by the rules. Uh, obviously, the independent standpoint is an important part of that process, um, just in appearance alone. Uh, for the department, and we will be looking and attempting to ensure that that laboratory who will be working for us but is paid by the manufacturing facilities for the testing, that that laboratory um, does provide assurance not only to the department but to the public and qualifying patients that they are performing their responsibilities in a manner that everybody is comfortable with and that there is compliance with the requirements in the rules. Well, I appreciate your comment about how they're going to be working for us because um, as a taxpayer in North Dakota, um, we, you know, we, we kind of like the, the private sector to control a lot of stuff, but uh, and, and the fact that they'll be paid by the manufacturer and everything is, is good. And, and so I'd say this is kind of a, a perfect example of, of a public-private partnership to ensure that we're, we're handling things in the proper channel and, and making sure that people are taken care of. And for those that don't know, the lab testing, it's not just that they're looking for pesticides and they're looking for chemicals that shouldn't be there, uh, but they play a crucial role in making sure that the labeling is proper so that you, you have the proper THC content, the, 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 the cannabinoid content, you know, so you know the level and, and what the potency is per ounce and, and all the stuff like that. Um, so really, they're gonna, that's going to be a crucial piece to the whole process, wouldn't you say? Uh, yes. The proposed rules spell out specifically wh what the criteria is. Uh, so manufacturing facilities are aware of the standards when it comes to concentration compliance testing, and that will provide assurance uh, to qualifying patients when they look at the label and they're given, for example, a concentration amount that that amount is within a allowable variance, so they know that it's not twice as much as what the label says or vice versa, that it's twice as less as what the label says. Is Usually that higher concentration amount means a higher price, and if qualifying patients are willing to pay that higher price for a higher concentration, they should have assurance that they are getting what they're paying for. Perfect. Well, and Mr. Wall, I... Uh, one more sec. Do you have anything uh, left uh, that the, the people should know? Um, I don't think so right now. We just keep trying to promote our division's website, so I appreciate you giving that out earlier, and thank you for the opportunity to discuss the program, and I wish you and your family a happy new year. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate you joining us. Uh, you have a wonderful new year as well. Thank you for all the work you're doing on this. For more, go to ndhealth.gov mm. You can find all the letters of intent to apply for the Compassionate Care Centers, apply for labs, or to go through and look at the administrative rules on there. Uh, we'll be back with more after the break. Uh, please stick around to the Rob Report. Here on 970 WBAY, Thomas Beadle sitting in for Rob this afternoon. 
Feel free to call in 293-9000-888-970-9329 or email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, we are this afternoon, we're, we're going to now move our conversation over to the younger generation. Uh, I say this as I'm sitting here at 30 years old, um, the third, uh, fourth youngest individual in the, in the North Dakota legislature. Uh, so, so I would like to still pretend that I'm part of the younger generation, but as these people are now 10 years younger than me, then it's, it's harder for me to, uh, to, you know, claim as much youth as they have. But, uh, we got a couple of college uh, uh, politi- political aficionados here with us. Uh, we got William Fleck, uh, who's the head of the uh, was the the you know next generation North Dakota. Now it's the the Young Democrats in North Dakota mm-hmm. um, organization. And we got Chase Grinberg, who's the president of the North Dakota College Republic or North Dakota College Republicans, formerly North Dakota State College Republican president. Uh, William Chase, thank you for joining. And thank you for having us. Yep, thank you. Perfect. Well, headphones working all right for you over there, Chase? Yep, absolutely. We had, we had a little issue right, right before we went on air with one of them being broken, but he's good to go. Uh, William, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, who are you? Uh, what, what's led you to get involved in North Dakota? So uh, I'm originally from Mandan, North Dakota. I came to Fargo for college where I'm studying computer science with an emphasis in cybersecurity. You and our chancellor have something in common then. <laughs> um. I got my start in politics last year when I phone banked against the measure that would have allowed corporate farming. And from there, I just stayed involved. Um, got went phone banking and door knocking for Bernie Sanders. And then once uh, Hillary got the nomination, I went out and did that for her, got involved in my local districts. And then uh, also as well, college Democrats. And it's really just uh, snowballed to now getting involved in the College Democrats of America and then eventually um, now president of Young Democrats in North Dakota. Fantastic. Well, and getting involved at the district level is, is very surprising because very few people pay attention to the district level politics and district level organization. Um, but that's really where people can have the biggest influence and, and biggest impact is when they help out at the, the local district level. So you're from Mandan. You live in Fargo now. What what district are you in in Fargo? So I'm in District 44, okay. um, but most of the work I do, the more, more of the coordinating that I do is with District 45 since that's the... That's um, the one that's going to be up next. And, yeah, and, and also like um, the NDSU College Democrats. Oh, for are, sure. NDSU's campus is up. Yeah, our chapter is affiliated with District okay. 45. So, so District 44, you had some, some decent success in 16, getting yes. Harold Pepcorn in there and Josh Boucher uh, reelected, mm-hmm. as well as Carla Rose Hansen. Mm-hmm. Um, sir, I sat alongside Carla in Political Subdivisions Committee. I've, I've served with Josh for a couple of sessions now. And really sad to see Tim Flackle go, but but Merrill Pepcorn in there was a feather in the cap for, for you guys. So um, I, I completely understand that, but... But he made a mistake there. Flackle was a good guy. Uh, and so was, so was Thorson. I, I miss him in the house as well. He was, he was a fun one. Uh, Chase, uh, you, you're, you know, with College Republicans in North Dakota. Um, I, I know a little bit about you. The little, little secret sitting in here is, is Chase, my stepbrother. Uh, we've known each other for a while as a result. <laughs> but uh, what's kind of led you to, to get involved in politics? I know our sister is going the complete opposite direction. She wants nothing to do with it. So... What's led you to get involved? And, and tell us a little bit about your background. Well, uh, well, first off, thanks for having me, Thomas. Um, well, so I was born in the faraway place, Fargo, North Dakota, born and raised. And I didn't go too far for college. I go to NDSU as well as William. And um, I'm starting crop and weed science with minor in egg business. So a pretty good industry to get in here um, in North Dakota. Um, to uh, you know, kind of start on how I got involved in politics is, of course, uh, growing up with Thomas and everything. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I said I didn't really have a choice. <laughs> I will take the blame for yeah, that. I, I, guess think, I think more, you had another influence yeah, on there. Yeah, it was more of my dad, Tony. So, um, but just growing up, you get you know pulled along to political events, and then uh, when I got to college, I you know had a chance to kind of pave my own way and see what I wanted. So the first year, I kind of you know took a step back and you know and took a you know gander and see if I actually really wanted to get involved in politics. And then just the you know friends I met um, uh, throughout my college career here, I just kind of pulled me deeper and deeper into politics and kind of just helping out everywhere I can and. So I just, you know, got involved in CRs and slowly just got introduced to it. Now I'm, you know, paving the way for the next generation of conservatives in North Dakota. Gosh, that's something that I never did was I was never involved in in college conservatives or Republicans or anything like that. Uh, I was too busy working during that time, which I think formulates some of my opinions. But I mean, you uh, find a balance of everything. So. That's yeah, right. Absolutely. For, for those that don't know, uh, City Commissioner Tony Grinberg, former uh, State Senator Tony Grinberg, is, is my stepfather, Chase's father. Uh, and, and he uh, certainly has had a big influence on both of us in our political career and, and everything there. Absolutely. Um, and so, so I won't take any blame for Chase getting involved, but Tony <laughs> I, certainly I take a can. little bit. I can take a little bit. That's right. But, but aside from family connections, which you clearly have, uh, Chase, I'd like to hear, why are you a Republican? Um, I'm, well, I'm specifically a young Republican um, because I believe, that, uh, you know, this generation is really going to you know, help pave the way as the baby boomers start retiring and, um, and the new generation starts kind of you know, taking over in the political spectrum and the political sphere um, that are, um, the ideologies of the Republican Party are really going to play an important role in the future of the country and um, making sure we um, stay, uh, stay great as a country. And so just like uh, just some various... Uh, um, you know, issues with that, a uh, small government, uh, promoting business growth and lowering taxes while playing a very, very important role in um, kind of the future of how this country, sh- you know, shapes out. So that's a good answer. I, as much as Chase and I have, have grown up with each other, we don't really talk politics. So I was, I was curious to see what his answer is going to be on that. Uh, William, I'm going to ask you the same question. I, you mentioned you, you, you know, did some phone banking for, for Senator Sanders in, during the primary and then went to worked with Hillary. You know, obviously, both both strong Democrats. I guess Bernie's an independent, but uh, caucus is with the Democrats. But you know, w- what makes you a Democrat? Why are you a Democrat? So yeah, over the past couple of years since uh, phone baking for the Sanders campaign, I've moved more to the center. I would say more into like a blue dog Democrat. I believe that we need to. Lower I didn't know the there was pro- any blue dog Democrats left. <laughs> well, there's actually a lot of them. Uh, I believe that we need to lower the corporate tax rate. Um, I believe that we need to lower small business taxes, um, especially on pastors. Um, and I think that we need to make sure that we're providing tax relief to the middle class and effective tax relief by expanding the earned income tax credit, something that Senator Marco Rubio has uh, promoted. I also think that we need to cut red tape because for a lot of things, you know, small businesses, red tape hurts, especially even with the Affordable Care Act, where Blue Dog Dems have come to the table in the House where they said we will increase the amount of employees it takes before you have to provide health care. So I think that a lot of things, you know, cutting red tape and lowering taxes, making our businesses competitive and creating a pro-growth agenda is very important to me as a Blue Dog Democrat. There's some things, though, where I definitely disagree um, with on Republicans, and they come down to two things, family and workers. I believe that we need paid family leave, and I believe that we need early childhood care because these things will allow for middle-class families to have stability and grow. I also believe that we need to make sure that we are um, uh, taking care of people, I think, Um, making sure that we're not doing drastic cuts to safety net programs such as Social Security or Medicare and making sure that we protect those to keep our promises to older generations. Oh, for sure. And, 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 you know, that's certainly going to be a conversation coming up in this next uh, next cycle, in the next congressional year. I know uh, Speaker Ryan has, has indicated that 
Uh, you know, entitlements is one of the next thing that's going to be looked at. So that's going to be a certainly a, a partisan political issue to look at. Um, but, you know, heck, if, if we've got a Democrat sitting here that wants to lower corporate taxes and and uh, and streamline some of the business taxes, I, I certainly know that we, we can work with them. And that's some of the North Dakota influence coming off on you, I think, there is <laughs> is uh, helping temper that blue dog, uh, you know, nature. I like that. Um, you know, so and that's good. And I, and I know, you know, any any Democrat uh, growing up in North Dakota has got to be difficult. Um, you've got uh, a really high hurdle to go with. You, you've got to, you know, you're stuck trying to defend the, the national political party, even if that's not where you are. Um, if, if you're more than the NPL roots of the Democratic Party um, here in North Dakota, and, and, which is, you know, a lot more independently minded and everything, um, you're still stuck defending a lot of the stuff that's happening out in D.C. And, and so, you know, that really kind of causes an issue where, you know, you're gonna, you have to defend stuff that your party is doing that you don't agree with. Um, has there has there been anything with you, William, that, that your part, that the party has pushed, or that you've been uh, seeing them, you know, discuss and work on nationally that that is really, you know, you've disagreed with and has made you start to question uh, your loyalty to the party at all? Well, let's let's be clear about something. I'm a I'm a loyal Democrat. I I'm not going to sit here and attack, you know, um, the national Democrats. But there are areas where I disagree with them. Um, one big thing is the clean power plan. Um, I really did not, and this is along, you know, with Senator Heitkamp and uh, some other blue dog senators. Um, you know, I did not agree with the clean power plan. I think it was burdensome regulations that did not have a significant impact um, on climate change or really anything. Basically, just a use, useless burdensome plan. Um, also, with the Keystone XL pipeline, I um, supported the Keystone XL pipeline being built. Um, and I think it's also some of the banking regulations. Right now, Senator Heitkamp and a lot of the other uh, more moderate senators are working to reduce the burdensome regulations on community and regional banks, which were put there um, with good intentions um, with Dodd-Frank, but they had unintended consequences. So I think that there's some things there. A lot of it has to do with, for me, regulations um, that need to be rolled back, and I think that's where I disagree with a lot of uh, national Democrats. Man, I don't know how you were able to support Bernie in the primary. This is, you're, you're polar opposite on him, but but I, I you know I, I get you know some of the passion and the energy, and some people t- lined up with Trump who don't actually agree with him. Also, but um, you know we, we got it. We're up against a break. We got more with uh, with Chase and William coming up here right after this. WDAY on the Rob Report. Thomas Beadle filling in for Rob. And we're here with William Fleck from the, the Young Democrats in North Dakota and Chase Grinberg from the uh, North Dakota College Republicans uh, talking about, you know, what's motivating young people to get involved in politics, what's formulating their opinions and their ideologies, uh, where do they see themselves as being different from uh, the older generation within their party and, and you know, kind of having the conversation of how we move forward. Uh, William, we were just talking a little bit about, you know, kind of your differences that you've had with some of the national party and, and kind of how that's helped formulate your own upbringing. Um, so, Chase, I'm going to ask you the same question. Uh, really, you know, has when you're when you're looking at, you know, where you're at in North Dakota and your age group and demographic, 
versus what uh, the party's been doing. You know, North Dakota often differentiates from the rest of the country. We're driven by coastal politics more than anything else. Um, what have you seen that, uh, that, that, you know, the National Republican Party's been doing that, that maybe you've disagreed with? Um, well, the one thing that I think it boils down to is um, the generation that's up and coming, um, I don't think they really uh, you know, take a hard stance for social issues. And I think that's one thing that the RNC does take a hard stance on. And I think this, this upcoming generation is very, uh, you know, of young conservatives are very tolerant for social issues. And, you know, speaking from, uh, you know, experience, uh, you know, been working with um, college students and young Republicans across the state, I just really think people are very tolerant um, over social issues. So. Well, and, and yeah, and, and you know, I'll just to, to piggyback on that, um, for those that have followed the legislative process in the last couple sessions, uh, I've been a co-sponsor of the non-discrimination bill um, for, for LGBT protection, uh, not necessarily because we need to add another protected class to it, but mostly because we need to send a message that, uh, you know, no one can control uh, their orientation. No, that, that's, you know, beyond uh, anything that they have influence on. It's just like their skin color. Um, or their gender. And so, so to me, that's something that, you know, the government doesn't necessarily need to say, hey, you need to be treating them well. But if society is, is, is shunning one individual and not giving them the same equality of opportunity that's out there, and we don't have a level, level playing field, then sometimes that's where, where government needs to, to make a correction in there. But uh, we don't like doing it. But, but, you know, that's something where the party needs to, to mature and grow up a little bit on there. And and I know I got called a rhino for supporting LGBT rights, but uh, you know I agree with you. I think that's a, an area that the Republicans need to really, you know, step up their game and, and do better on. And and frankly, I think we need to take more of a libertarian uh, perspective on that. And instead of passing stuff that you know is automatically stating, uh, you know, marriage is one man, one woman, we can say, hey, marriage is a religious institution that the government shouldn't be in. And we can take a step back and, and we can pull the reins out of there and say, I don't care. It's it's not my 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 mm-hmm. you know problem who's who's marrying yeah. who and uh, as long as legal consenting adults that's between mm-hmm. the church and if if they want to do it fine, yeah. um, but the state doesn't necessarily have that role. So uh, I think that's kind of where the next next wave needs to go. And I think uh, personally, I'm just taking a little change of pace here. Um, the one thing I do oppose uh, that the RNC does have on their platform is they want to uh, divest federal lands, um, you know, federally controlled lands like national forest um, into states states control and that's one thing personally that i um don't agree with with the national platform um uh with the shrinking of the bears year national a monument there is um i believe that our federal lands are something that we need to cherish and we need to save for the future generations and we need to do this by um you know keeping these um monuments national forests in, in place so um we can um have those lands you know untouched for future generations to well, be able to use and that's an interesting discussion to have um and, and William, I'd like your, your take on that as well. So when we're, when we're looking at the federal land and we're looking at uh, uh, dealing with you know, some of the environmental protections, um, one of the things that we often forget on, and it's, it's summarized actually pretty well in a, uh, an episode of the very short-lived Amazon TV show Alpha House in which uh, John Goodman and a couple other people play uh, U.S. senators, Republicans living in a, a really trashy house in D.C. And it's a, a two-season ep- two uh, show on Amazon. I recommend you check it out. It's pretty funny. Um, but John Goodman's character, the senator from North Carolina, uh, gets really fed up with uh, leadership and everything in one episode. And he goes on a rant on the beach and he's like, listen, the, the root word of conservative is to conserve. 
And so because of that is when Nixon instituted the EPA and passed some regulations because we recognize that, you know, things like the Potomac River catching on fire isn't good for any of us, uh, that we need to, to preserve the integrity of some of our, our grasslands, our rivers, and our forests, and, and make sure that we have some protection there uh, and, and preserve some of the national parks and national lands for, for future generations, for hunting, fishing, camping, um, enjoying uh, what, what God has given us. Um, but at the same time, we, got, we have to balance that with, you know, if there is an excessive overreach in certain areas uh, to make sure that we haven't, you know, burdened states and, and local municipalities by, by, you know, seizing their land and taking it out of the tax base. I know looking at uh, states like I believe it's Idaho, something like 36 percent of their land is not taxable by the state of Idaho or by the local municipalities. So they're, they've lost a significant chunk of their tax base. It might be closer to 50 percent where of just their land, they can never collect any revenue off of it. Um, so for a state that really hamstrings their budget. But, uh, you know, William, as, as we're looking towards uh, some of the environmental issues, you mentioned that you uh, supported Keystone XL Pipeline. I, I Personally, I was on the fence on it. I supported the pipeline. I support pipelines generally. It's a much more efficient, effective way to move move natural uh, resources um, or oil, natural gas, et cetera. It's, it's way safer, way more efficient, and, and really good for the market. But selfishly, Keystone was bringing Canadian crude to the market, and, and I like our North Dakota crude, so I wanted to. I, I didn't want us to have the, the direct competition, but I still supported it for the infrastructure jobs and, and just efficiency's sake. But you know, what's your take? How do we balance the the environmental protection piece, which is really a core pillar of the Democratic Party, um, with uh, some of the the necessary economic development? Well, I think if you're talking about like beer, um, bear ears, or even like what's going on in Alaska, you need to look at it by like a situation by situation basis. I think to go and apply some like blanket statement or like blanket policy is just not smart. And it's it's not efficient either. So I think we need to look at like every single uh you know, these things on a situation by situation basis. Because for me personally there's no, you know, blanket answer that I can say, oh like because everything's going to differ differently, where, depending where you are and what you're protecting. So are you telling me that you would like to see on a situation-to-situation basis, maybe that the state should be checking this out more than the federal government, maybe exercising Tenth Amendment authority to, to do that? Well, not not necessarily. I think that I think that this is just really what I think is like a complicated issue. And, you know, whether you're talking about like drilling on, you know, Alaska's reserves or, um, you know, uh, what they did in Utah, shrinking the monument, I think that that's something that we need to there's no blanket policy that you can um, do for any of those. And okay. I think that you'd have to look at them, you know, specifically even. Um, so, yeah, well, that's fair. And, and, you know, kind of, you know, off of that, knowing that environmental protection is really a core pillar of the Democratic Party. Um, you know, are there any uh, values or, or pillars of the party that, you know, as we're having these discussions that, that as a Democrat, you'd be unwilling to ever compromise on? Um, what's the core belief well, you know, when, when you're talking about environmental just protection? Gen- generally within the party. So environmental oh, tends um, to be one of them, but, um, I'm vehemently pro-choice. Okay. I will never, ever compromise on choice. Okay. That's my one issue. Okay. So Chase, uh, when it comes to the Republican party and Republican platform, uh, you know, we, we know small business we, or uh, growth. We know small government, um, when it comes to dealing with political discourse and debating with the other aisle and seeking compromises on stuff, what's your pillar? What's your rock? Uh, what do you have as a value that you'd be unwilling to compromise on? 
Um, I would say a climate change. Um, I think that's one thing that um, the Republican Party has really taken a stance on that um, they don't believe it's, you know, either it's impacted by man or it's happening in general. And I believe that just, uh, you know, just, you know, just you know, experiencing it and seeing it, you know, firsthand that, you know, mean, the environment is changing and we can, you know, tell that every day and that, you know, it might be human, you know, impact. It, might, it may not, but we do have to you know, take some, um, some, or some steps to um, so, help with the pollution. And, so you'd say, you'd say that, you know, simply addressing the facts maybe yeah, uh, yeah. and saying that, you know, facts don't lie and we need to, to pull our head out of the sand and, and address this, whether you agree that we're the cause or mm-hmm. not. Um, we need to recognize that there's something that needs to be done. So, so you wouldn't compromise on the factual basis yeah, um, no, that yeah. formulate some of your beliefs. Yeah, when 98 percent of the scientists believe that I mean climate change is happening, like that's a, you know, a very telltale sign that we need to do something. And the first step is to have everybody on the same page and saying yes, climate change is happening, and what we about- need to take you know we, we need and you know first when that happens, then we have to you know, start taking steps towards. I'm helping. Okay. You know, helping the All environment right. and, and helping you know, change that of course that we're And on. I think that's an area. Welcome back to 970 WDAY. Thomas Beadle sitting in for Rob Port this afternoon with Chase Grinberg and William Fleck, uh, a lo- young, you know, young Republican, young Democrat, respectively. Um, talking right now about youth issues, what's formulating their thoughts, their opinions, uh, and, and kind of where the next generation of political minds is coming from and, and where we see it moving on the horizon. Uh, Chase, you mentioned something uh, interesting right before the last break. We were talking about you know, core pillars, areas you don't want to waver from. Uh, and one of the things we, that, that turned into is a conversation about how facts matter and how we need to make sure that we have, uh, you know, a, a common belief on, on what is true. Um, and that's this whole fake news uh, uh, phenomena uh, where we're trying to discredit mainstream media and everything. Um, while, yes, there are some problems with some of the reporters, in part because 24-hour news has a lot of opinion journalists on there that are are often people blur the line between if they're an opinionist versus a news person. Rachel Maddow on NBC is an example. Sean Hannity on Fox News is an example. Uh, these are opinion columnists, not news people, but the line gets blurred for people. Um, but it comes back to a core basis of when we're going to come up with good public policy and, and really create a, a, for, a good belief, Facts matter. And so looking at young generation, I'm curious. Uh, start with Chase. Where do you get your facts from? Where do you get your information as, you, as you're formulating your own political mind? Um, <clears throat> so uh, I'll kind of start is I think the best way of going about trying to figure out uh, what's a fact and what might be not real news is kind of get a feel for everything out there. I think one thing that is happening in this you know, generation and this time um, you know, in this, in this decade is that people just pay attention to one news source. So Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, et cetera, et cetera. And they just, you know, they listen to that and it, you know, it, you know, basically affirms on what they believe and they keep getting pushed farther to one side or the other. And so what I try to do is I try to get a feel for, you know, CNN, Fox News, The Hill, NPR to get everything, you know, get all, you know, a full story before you formulate an opinion. Because when it boils down to it, you can't just find a new source that agrees with you because you're just going to get pushed farther and farther and farther to the right or 
or to the left. So that's kind of where I take a stance on it is I try to get, you know, a grasp of, you know, all the news sources out there before you make a you know, real stance on the issue. Well, my old English teacher would like hearing that answer. She referred to it as triangulating your sources. If you find a, find a fact or find something in a research paper, find three sources that agree with it, and then that's, that's more likely to be true. And I know that's the mantra we stuck with back when I was coaching speech and debate at North High as well as, you know, you get well-rounded sources. Uh, William, how about yourself? You know, where, where do you get your information from? Where do you get your facts from? Uh, how do you know what's true and what's not? Well, first, not Donald Trump's Twitter feed. <laughs> I avoid that like the plague. Um, I would say that my primary news sources are, you know, mainstream outlets. Um, so like CNN, NBC, even Fox News. If you go on to their online content, they have pretty um, uh, fact-based articles coming out. So I think if you stick to those and more of the online stuff, like you said, a avoiding the opinion journalism because that often skews the facts. I think if you just go to like CNN, MSNBC, um, you know, Fox even, just sticking to their uh, online-based articles, you can get a pretty good thing. And also things like BBC. BBC is a really, really great um, source for information. Um, it's unbiased and it's not even uh, part of the U.S. media. So having that separation is also a really good thing. Al Jazeera is another national or international one that even though it comes from the Middle East, so everyone around here gets skittish with it, it, it does a pretty decent job from an international perspective uh, covering American politics. Uh, and I think you guys are right. I mean, you, you need to avoid some of the opinion journalists. And I think the majority of Americans get into this tribal mentality where if you're conservative, you're listening to Sean Hannity and Fox News or Rush Limbaugh or Breitbart and those groups. If you're a liberal, people tend to look at MSNBC or podcasts like Pod Save America um, and, you know, outside, you know, interest areas that are influencing that opinion. And you really get entrenched into your own perspective. And that's causing a real divide in people. And that's why I think in the 2016 cycle, both candidates or one of the factors why both candidates said such extremes on both favorability and, and unfavorability I mean, nothing was really clear there. I mean, they were really pushed one way or the other. Um, and I think, you know, part of that's the entrenchment. And so kind of my question for you guys is, is how do we help bridge that divide as, as political influencers who are helping lead a new generation and who are heavily involved in your parties at a young age? How do you help bridge that divide and, and stop tribalism? Uh, can I take start with this? Go, go right ahead. So earlier this year, the college Democrats at NDSU, we held a social media training session. And I made sure to, in that um, training session, to point out to the people there the fake news on the left. Because, you know, fake news isn't just something that comes from the alt-right places like Breitbart. It's on the left, too. And I made sure to specifically point out to people, you need to avoid this. You need to make sure you're not sharing it on Facebook. And you need to call it out if you see it. So I think that just making sure and educating those in our own, uh, you know, political groups, just saying, you know, you need to avoid this kind of news because it's not real yeah. and it's meant to enrage and, you know, aggravate people. Yeah. Chase, yeah. how about you? And I would kind of agree with that, too. You, um, a lot of people just look at those, you know, hot or hot button issues on Facebook. Where they'll be scrolling through their Facebook feed and they'll see a big headline and they won't actually go and read the article. And those, you know, and those. Uh, you know, articles could be uh, be from the far left and the far right, and they see those, and they so they're basically scare tactics. And they watch, they read the article, and they read the you know just the headline there, and they you know have instantly like have an opinion on that, and they make their opinion, and they make it known, and that, and that's their stance, and and it just all it gets you know skewed that way, and it's just all 
I think Facebook is kind of a big thing that is happening now that is people have stopped reading into exactly what the issue is. They see you know, one article on Facebook and they have their opinion and that's it. Well, and not, not only that, I mean, with, with how they've changed their algorithms, so top stories show up instead of most recent and everything, it really entrenches some of that stuff as well. I know I got sick because I had one post that showed up about 15 times over the course of two days and I got no other new Facebook posts on there. So, so some things like that need tweaking. And you're right about the headline thing. If you notice this weekend, that caught or- Senator Orrin Hatch in a little bit of trouble. Uh, he had, was, there's a cover photo about him being Utah of the year. Uh, from the, the uh, Salt Lake Tribune, I believe, and and he tweeted it out such a such a great <laughs> honor, and and the article itself it was basically a a thank you for your career and your service. Now retire and go <laughs> away, please. Uh, and so then he was immediately responding with a whole bunch of people saying, "Hey, you read the headline? Did you read the article?" And that and that's a problem. And and you're right. I mean, that, I think that that really you know causes a, a whole bunch of issues with tribalism and fake news, and and everyone getting entrenched in their own areas. Um, and- Go ahead. Oh, yeah, and I think when it boils down to it is the uh, people can't be friends with the other party, it seems like, nowadays. Like you get, well, it's, it's, yeah. it's become a, I'm right, you're an idiot exactly. instead of a, exactly. I'm right, you're wrong, let's discuss. Um, we're going to talk about that again after the break here. Uh, stick around, AM 970 WDAY, 293-9000 if you want to call in. Thomas Beadle sitting in for Rob Fort here this afternoon. Uh, only a few minutes left here with uh, Chase Grinberg and, and William uh, talking about, uh, you know, young Democrats, young Republicans, uh, really, you know, young people getting involved in politics and, and how they shape and formulate their opinion. Um, during the last segment, we we're talking about how facts matter and we need to have good discourse uh, to craft good public policy. And, and one thing that you guys did at the NDSU campus uh, a month or so ago that I thought was, was pretty fantastic, and as a former debate coach, I loved it, is you had a panel up there where you had a, a group from college Republicans, a group from college Democrats, and, and a group from college Libertarians, I believe, up there uh, talking about some issues and, and having a discourse. I heard it got a little heated at times, um, but, but that sort of discourse is good to happen. So, so tell me a little bit, uh, how did that come to fruition, and what's your takeaway from it? So um, it actually started with uh, Libertarians. They um, reached out. They always to, want a seat at the table, don't they? Yeah, they do, <laughs> which is nice, which is yeah, nice. I sure. appreciate having them there. Um, so they came and talked to Sydney, who is the president of the College of Republicans, and myself, who is the president of the College of Democrats. And, um, you know, we just started talking, and once we figured out how we were going to have it, we set it up in a way where it wasn't going to be like, you know, back and forth. We agreed to avoid controversial topics. So, like, we agreed not to talk about, like, abortion, immigration, refugees. Um, And it turned out really, really well. Um, I think that, and it was also nice to be able to get to know them because when you actually just get to sit down and talk to someone, you realize that they're not, like, some evil monster trying to take away your grandparents' health (laughs) care. So, yeah, it was nice. It was nice. Well, Chase, from the Republicans' perspective, I know you weren't on the panel, you were in the audience, um, but you've, you're obviously heavily involved in the CRs. Uh, what was your takeaway from that? Do you think that had some viable discussion, and is this something that we should do more of? Yeah, no, I thought it was a you know great idea and a great event we had. I think it was very good for the audience that was there. I think there was, what, maybe 100 or so people, mm-hmm. you know, roughly. Yeah. And um, I think it's big because I feel college students 
you know, in this day and age are, are some are very disconnected with politics and they don't really know their stances or they might take it from their family members. And to have this kind of panel where you have all three of our um, kind of political you know, parties, I guess you can say, um, up there and kind of you know, showing what their stance is, it really helps you know, students see what they, you know, what they align with and kind of what they believe. So it, I, think it, I think it really helped the college students. Well, really. and having a couple hundred people there when there's not an election coming up or anything, that's pretty impressive mm-hmm. turnout for, I mean, NDSU's got about 14,000 undergraduate students yep. and, and a, a decent chunk of that are, are uh, you know, online or mm-hmm. not on campus or during the evening hours. Um, so yep. that's that's pretty good turnout. I'm pretty impressed with that. Yeah, we drew um, a few business leaders and a few state legislators there, and it was a very good event. I, yeah, I'm glad it went off, you know, as, as well as it did, and I hope we do it again this fall or whatnot. So. Well, and I was going to ask that. I know uh, House Minority Leader Corey Mock and I, uh, we knew each other back when we both did high school debate. So we know, we've known each other for quite a while and, and kind of grew up arguing with uh, with each other, but in a, in a friendly, cordial way. So we've joked a, a few times about how, you know, someday just, just for kicks, we're going to both run for something and just so we can <laughs> go around and uh, hit every college campus and talk with everyone at the same time and just have both of us up there and yeah. and uh, argue that way with mm-hmm. each other and have that discussion. But, uh, you know, that's something that I would like to see happen more is to have, uh, you know, the, the different political factions from the various college campuses, various high school organizations as well, um, and, and even community organizations get together and have that discussion. So uh, I really do hope that you, you continue to have those and, and host more of them and and let us know. We, we could certainly even do it where we have some of the local political leaders come in mm-hmm. and, and be on those panels. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to see some more of that. Um, you know, speaking of, you know, how you guys formulate your opinions and everything, um, you know, we know we, we need to have good discussion going forward. We need to have, uh, you know, good influences going forward. Um, and, I, and I expect you guys to grow in to be good influences for your, your respective parties and for, for people who get involved. And you're very civil. You're, you're willing to have good dialogue. You're willing to have, uh, you know, fact-based discussion that, that keeps some of the emotion out of it. And I, and I appreciate that and I respect that tremendously. Um, but as you've been formulating your opinion, who have you looked up to as kind of uh, political idols? Maybe, a, a, you know, it's a U.S. senator, former president, et cetera. Um, you know, who are some of these big national figureheads that that have really helped shape and shape your position and, and that you look towards as, as to be kind of a leader? I well, guess I can start. Are. So this is going to actually kind of sound kind of cheesy, but it honestly has been my mom. So okay. I grew up, you know, my mom's a Republican. Um, she's she's a socially liberal Republican, um, like which it. is good. <laughs> um, but I think that through my conversations with her, you know, talk, she owns a small business. And I think that through my conversations with her, it allowed me to see more of the, you know, the impediments that regulations pose on businesses, the problems of the tax code and why it desperately like needs to be reformed. And I guess it has kind of been reformed, but there's still kinks we need to work out. Um, but I think that, you know, um, if you wanted a more like bigger political figure, it'd be Senator Heitkamp. Okay. Chase, how about you? Uh, for me, um, you know, disagree with his politics or not agree or disagree would be uh, George W. Bush. Um, you know, currently... Um, you know, outspoken as he is or not outspoken, he very has some you know, good political stances and he's a good figurehead for a party and you know, very more person. So. Well, his definition of the compassionate conservative, which uh, I think we could certainly use a lot more of. Uh, that, that's going to be it for today. We've got uh, uh, tomorrow Connor Swanson's filling in for Rob uh, on the Rob Report uh, or whatever he's calling the show now. Uh, and I'll be back on Friday and, and we'll have congressional candidate Ben Hansen joining in. 
uh, to talk about. Uh, he's the only announced candidate for our U.S. House race right now since Kevin's uh, uh, teasing us all a little bit. So uh, stick around uh, to AM 970. we got the Jay Thomas Show coming up next. Uh, and tune in tomorrow. Ooh, you can find-